0: Welcome to the Tim Fowler Show, where production is paramount, and we discuss the tools, time, and people associated with getting jobs done and making a profit. On today's episode of the Tim Fowler Show, we will be talking about energy audits with help of special guest Larry Mayer of Solution Design in Fargo, North Dakota. Alongside Tim Fowler, I'm your co-host Steve Wheeler. Here is the Tim Fowler Show.
1: Hi everyone, Tim Fowler here and welcome to another exciting episode of the Tim Fowler Show. Keep the ideas coming in. We love to hear from our listeners. Uh, I actually uh, heard from a listener that's in Germany uh, today. And I just thought that was pretty cool that we actually have somebody that's overseas listening in on the show. So today we have another uh, technical topic. I, I said a couple of shows back that we'd be doing more and more on the technical side, just not on the management side. Uh, and we've had an individual on earlier, a fellow named John Viner from the Uh, Wisconsin Energy Center talking about this. But we're talking about energy, energy consumption, energy, in this case, uh, energy audit. And so back in the 80s and the 90s, when I was actually building houses, you know, we started talking more and more about the energy thing. And the thing back then was the ratio of glass sizes to Uh, wall space. And so there had to be a certain ratio before you could get it through uh, the building department. Then as we've, I think, grown in building science, we've moved a lot toward, that's still important, but we've moved toward air infiltration and how air will often destroy the energy uh, ratings for a house just because there's air uh, moving. And then Uh, A lot more equipment, obviously, a lot more time has been spent studying these things. And for years, I've been hearing about this thing called an energy audit. I have never done one myself because I'm kind of out of the actual building world. But uh, our guest today actually uh, made contact with me through the uh, International Builders Show And I thought it would be really fun just to have a conversation about this thing called an energy audit and see if it might be helpful for the people that listen in on this show. So, Steve, let's go ahead. So, Larry
0: Mayer spent time working in commercial performance contracting, working for Honeywell from 1990 to 2001. He moved into residential construction in 2008 and focused on doing a dozen high-performance new homes with remodeling projects to fill in, and energy audits was a way to get more remodeling projects. He currently advises and engineers high-performance homes and retrofits. He is the back-office engineer for these contractors and provides financial payback analysis and coordinates with appraisers and lenders for pre-project funding. He also provides on-site commissioning so a homeowner, so homeowner gets the results they want to pay for. Welcome to the show, Larry.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me. Hey, so, uh, you know, Steve gave us a little bit of a rundown on what you do for your business, but give us a little more information about what your business is now. Maybe, maybe a little bit that helps us appreciate your knowledge of the energy audit side of things.
2: Well, a lot of it comes from my commercial side, where we would do a type of business called performance contracting, where we could go into a public building, county, courthouse, school district, uh, could be the state capitol, could be a government military affairs building, and we would uh, enter into an agreement to fix up the building at no cost to the owner, and we would guarantee that the savings would pay for itself for 10 to 15 years. And I've done over four dozen schools, a half dozen courthouses, a couple of hospitals, a military base, uh, and a number of um, non-performance contracting business in the industrial process world. Uh, and so two things I learned from that, very few people have the building physics training right. to do that work because every time the building owner wanted us to put it out to bed we said no problem and they would just be shocked <laughs> and then when bid day came nobody showed up right and they go what is this and i said well they don't have the advanced physics training to be able to quantify not only build a new building but an existing building what's its what's its actual performance how much more can you get out of that in performance and, and then be willing to guarantee it for multiple years. So we quickly realized we had somewhat of a unique niche. Now, just to let you know, from 1985 to 1995, most of the states in the country passed laws allowing public yeah. institutions to do performance contracting. And yet, as you've seen, the traditional construction mechanical engineering field has not even dipped their toe in the water. Yeah. They, they don't want to try to do that type of business.
1: So I got to ask, you know, uh, I'm sitting here thinking about a school and like a school that I might have gone to. And I'm thinking that when you do this kind of a audit for a school like that, that list of issues must have been pages long that comes out of a, a, a public. I mean, can you give us any idea? of how many items might be on a list that comes out of like a school
2: well <clears throat> most schools uh were built at the turn of the century and every <laughs> 30 40 years they'd have a building addition so they might have started out with coal boiler single pipe steam uh then they went to two pipe uh then they went to hot water then they went to forced air uh, some of the newer ones since the eighties would be adding air conditioning, uh, mostly in the administrative wing because the administrative wing is <laughs> open 12 months out of the year. Right. Uh, and, uh, but we had everything from, uh, build, uh roofs, windows, uh, security systems. Um, the, the list just goes on and on. So what I would do is, is I would first, uh, get to know the superintendent. Uh, I would then uh, get to know the physical plant director and I would, after a couple of meetings, I would let the physical plant director know that I was Santa Claus and that <laughs> I could fund a number of projects. I don't know which ones will all get funded, but being that you work in this building every day, what project would you like to have, you know, on your top six list? And one of the successful strategies I use, I always made sure at least one or two of those top six of the physical plant director got funded. Even if they were a financial ugly duckling, it still went in there because it was important to the guy who was there every day. I wasn't gonna be there every day. I needed a local advocate. Uh, And most of my competition would blow right past that physical plant guy and go to the board and go to the superintendent. And they were just amazed that I constantly would win these projects. Well, the, though the physical plant director can't say yes to a multi-million dollar project, he can say no. Yeah. And so I learned that wisdom and uh, was very successful doing projects uh, uh, around the tri-state area.
1: And so some of them were actually multi-million dollar, uh, not renovations, but repairs and upgrades. Projects.
2: Yeah, I did a couple million dollars worth of work at a Indian reservation. I went on to do two more reservations, unassociated, different. One in North Dakota, two in Minnesota. I went on to do military bases up to twenty million dollar renovations. Wow. Uh, The most interesting project was two thousand. I get this panic call from us nursing home that we'd done a small little project at, and their board was concerned with Y2K, yeah. and that the world was going to come to an end, and yeah. they wanted a backup system to their natural gas, uh, and um, so I was familiar with what the solution was, but I was really concerned that they had the money for this. They said, no, no, don't worry about it. There are some residents in here who have family <laughs> members that are very, very wealthy, and they just want that in there, and I don't, they don't care what it costs. So we put in a synthetic natural gas plant, and synthetic natural gas plants are actually extremely common, but the general public doesn't know anything about them. Most, uh, at the perimeter of most cities, there will be a large synthetic natural gas plant with three or four 30,000 gallon propane tanks. So if that propane, uh, that natural gas line coming into that city ever got dug up or shut down, that plant would take over and possibly sustain the city for two or three days. Wow. And so they basically put propane under high pressure, run it through a series of orifices, and they get the same caloric calorie output per, per cubic feet of natural gas. Wow. And so it runs. And so uh, uh, the one we did for this nursing home, and the sad news about it, they had oil wells all the way around this nursing home. And they're right yeah. in the center of the Bakken oil industry and, and they had a processing plant literally a half mile away, but they didn't care, they, right. they, they wanted it. <laughs> yeah.
1: Okay, so so, uh, so really cool stuff, you know about, uh, and I'm fascinated by the commercial world because I know very little about that that part of this industry, but let's talk a little bit more about the residential world, which is where most of my listeners uh, land in terms of remodeling. What what is an energy audit for a home? What does that consist of? If, if we're going to talk about, I just want to know what, how do you define that?
2: An energy audit is, is looking at all the thermal boundaries in a house. A thermal boundary is an outside wall. It, it's the floor. It's the ceiling. And then the windows and doors within that. Uh, and so an energy audit uh, will be a combination of depressurizing the house with a blower door, uh, which is a fabric frame type door that will fit in your front door with a blower door and a digital manometer. And it will get the whole house depressurized to 50 pascals, which is the equivalent of a 20 mile an hour wind hitting all six sides of the building at one time. Oh, right. And, and once the building is depressurized, uh, that's about uh, 20 times normal air pressure. So what it does is it highlights all the deficiencies in the building. And so we'll go down around the building um, and when it's cold out, we can use our thermal imaging camera. When it's summertime, it's hard to use a thermal imaging camera because you need at least a 20 degree temperature differential. So we'll go around with a small smoke bomb kit thing, the handheld that will generate enough inert smoke that will highlight the leaks. And then we'll take pictures of all that. So we'll come back with a report to the building owner, homeowner, uh, highlighting the problems room by room, wall by wall, uh, and, and with some costs for doing that and some savings for doing that, uh, as well as some structural sustainability advantages of fixing certain projects versus others. Uh, and then we let the homeowners decide what they want to do. Uh, lately, I've been taking that report and helping the homeowner go to the lender and, and show them that if we do this project, we're going to solve these problems, we're going to generate this amount of energy savings per year, and um, if you capitalize that based on a 3 or 4% mortgage rate, here's how much money you can buy you know, of the project. Maybe it doesn't fund the whole project, but the homeowner, I like it. I like it. Two thirds of itself funds itself. <laughs> I'll kick in another 10 grand. Let's go do it. Yeah. Uh, but we give them that information so that the lender has some concept of how this money is being spent, what's the end result. And then we'll come back in after the project is done with the blower door. And verify that we met our improved air tightness numbers, uh, and um, uh, you know, and and uh, give them a commissioning audit. And so, in that situation, I'm not the contractor. I keep third party. Okay. I just do. I just identify the projects. I um, quantify the savings and the energy savings. Um, and then, when the project is completed, I come back in and verify that it's been retrofitted to those standards Uh, and so it gives the lender assurances it's been done properly
0: are you worried about the future of
1: your business are you stuck and unsure about what step to take next do you have any doubts about your ability to lead through this crisis whether it's business finance or production we have the experienced professional coaches standing by to help you and your team battle through these uncertain times to learn more about our coaching program and to schedule a free 15 minute consultation with our head coach, Doug Howard, visit remodelercoach.com today. Now back to the show. Yeah. So I was just sitting here wondering, like I've heard a lot about blower door Uh, tests. And like I said in the intro, I've never done one myself. I've seen some demonstrations at various places, but it just strikes me that there's a lot of room for error in doing those. And um, is there, I mean, like a builder could say, like, I do blower door tests. What are, from your experience, what are some of those mistakes maybe that the novice makes doing a blower door test that somebody who's done 100 of them and is a highly trained professional may not make. What mis- are, are there any things like that? Well, some like of the that? common
2: mistakes would be not opening up all the doors. Okay, the most common problems we see is when the house isn't properly set up correctly to take the blower door test. That would be making sure that all the bedroom and any back doors that are part of the... Whole building are going to be opened up. Make sure that all the registers are open. Make sure that the backdraft dampers for the exhaust fans uh, and for the uh, range hood are properly functioning. Uh, make sure that the thermostat is turned off or if it's summertime you, you put it on a cold setting so it won't come on or vice versa in the wintertime. Um, <clears throat> Those are some of the key uh, mistakes that get done, uh, and then not getting a proper uh, square footage of the building, you know, taking into consideration the first floor, second floor, as well as the uh, floor joist area that may be 16, 18 inches of depth, uh, that adds to the volume of the building uh, on the, over the basement, and same thing with the second floor over the first floor, so you get a proper volume. Uh, of the building, uh, those are common type of mistakes uh, that can happen. Um, a more advanced energy audit will actually go in and do pressure testing on the hot water heater. If you have an atmospheric hot water heater, um, you want to make sure that there's no more than one and a half to two uh, negative pascals of pressure, and that was if you have that. Um, amount of negative pressure you can actually be bringing flue gas back down into the house oh wow and so if you over tighten the house and you haven't tested the hot water heater uh, you've actually created a dangerous situation okay Uh, and uh So in some cases, people said, oh, boy, now I can justify getting that new (laughs) vent hot water heater. And we would normally say, yeah, that that makes a ton of sense from both energy savings and from safety point of view. And the same thing with the furnace. So you would actually go in and test the pressure readings and the balancing of the ductwork in the house as well as the hot water heater. Um, So those are... the Key elements that need to be done correctly before you do your test.
1: So, is there a is there an organization that does training to allow someone to to do this stuff really well? Because it just seems to me like it's such a great opportunity to cheat people that the hucksters, you know, would be out there in droves to to do this. Is there an organization that certifies or does the There's training there. for this?
2: Uh, out in, uh, I think it's in New York State, there's Building Professionals Incorporated. Uh, they're an organization of energy raiders. Uh, they probably have the most detailed training and standards uh, for an energy raider. Uh, another national company is called ResNet, Residential Energy Services Network, and they are widely known because of their energy rating of a building which is called HERS Home Energy Rating Services. Yeah. <clears throat> so everybody knows about the HERS report. Right. Most people are not familiar with the BPI report, but it's almost a carbon copy. Uh, but BPI specializes on existing buildings. And they they their raters are going to know a lot more about what we just talked about with the furnace testing, the ductwork testing, the hot water heater for safety. Um, and they both those organizations have been around for 20 plus years.
1: Right, okay, so we know you're from Fargo. Uh, we've all seen the movie. It's cold there in the wintertime. Uh, if I'm at a more moderate climate, why should I care about these types of energy ratings and certificates and, and things like that. What, what, why should a regular remodeler go to the, I'm not air quotes here, trouble of making sure a house is energy fit and maybe doing some of this testing?
2: Well, with the COVID-19 situation, everybody's focused on health. And right yep. now, health concerns are outranking in the last month's surveys over even energy savings. Okay. So so there's a lot of interest by the general public. Um, like I'd say, the BPI would be stronger on indoor air quality uh, because they're working in existing buildings, and, and that was the genesis of how they came about where ResNet more on new construction side of it. Not to denigrate either side, it's just that when you look at the genesis of one organization versus the other, they have some strengths on existing buildings. Uh, the other thing is, is that uh, comfort is directly related to uh, air tightness, water tightness, and thermal tightness. And when you actually dig into the energy codes around the country, we've all heard of the International Energy Conservation Code, Mm -hmm. 2012, 15, 18. Um, Those codes were first designed to keep the building healthy. And to keep the building healthy, you had to first do a water management analysis of the house. Then an airtightness analysis of the house, and then a thermal tightness of the house. And the construction industry does it backwards. <laughs> they're gonna yes. try to make it airtight first because it's the easiest, least expensive. They're gonna throw some insulation in there. Uh, and then it, when the house starts having mold and other problems, then they're gonna try to figure out what to do on the water management side. As you know, Tim, um, when you're dealing with older buildings, Uh, uh, you need to let the homeowner know the limitations of what you can do with the building. Because if you make the building too tight, uh, rule of thumb is if you make it tighter than three air changes per hour, you're going to have to figure out a way to get a fresh air uh, unit into the building. Uh, if they don't want to do that, then from a professional liability point of view, you'd say, okay, we're, gonna, we're only going to make your building three air changes per hour tight because it, it's just not a healthy situation. Uh, and then I let them know about moisture issues, let them know about air tightness, that it makes no sense to add insulation to an air leaky building until you first fix the leaks before you add the insulation. So they need to be done in the right order. Unfortunately, the construction industry does it somewhat backwards. They do the air tightness first, won't discuss the health issues. Uh, then they'll add more insulation and then it, and then they'll try to fix the moisture problem after, that they were a part of creating. So it's, it's important to uh, uh, talk about what you're going to do and what you're not going to do and why.
1: All right, so just imagine I'm a remodeler that's been around for a little while and I really like what I'm hearing in this. I'm geared toward that mentality of, of safer and energy efficient and health issues. How, how would I get started doing some of these testing and then actually marketing that to my clients?
2: What you would, you know, you'd probably want to go to uh, Affordable Comforts Conference or the ResNet National Conference uh, or the BPI's National Conference and basically just rub elbows with other raiders, talk to some of the vendors that provide lower door equipment and test equipment uh, and, and see the presentations on how those raiders are um, being successful in their market. Uh, You know, and that'll give you a really good broad uh, brush. Thinking that the world is going to be not real practical, Uh, you really got to see where the market is at. I'm in a market right now where I do both industrial, commercial, and residential because there's not a big demand. Um, We are in a market where our lenders have no idea what a green mortgage is. They don't understand the financing. Realtors haven't had any training. Um, We were surprised. Uh, I do national training with uh, Adam Atis Appraisal Services out of Puerto Gorda, Florida. We put on classes in the upper Midwest, and we just found there's 30,000 hers rated homes in Minneapolis-St. Paul. Almost none of them are in the MLS. None of the realtors have had any training. And so the public is asking for it, but the professionals don't even know the demand is out there. Uh, There's a lot of disconnect across the country, and so we've been putting on classes trying to bring the four major players together, the builder, the realtor, the uh, appraiser, and the lender. Most Mm -hmm. builders will tell you, wow, you don't have to talk to the realtor, and I said, well, the realtor owns the MLS. If you don't have data, you're not going to get the loan. Oh, (laughs) so we've been offering these cross-training classes, and we're getting a fair amount of traction. In the Twin Cities market, uh, uh, and XL is our sponsor.
1: Well, this is so fantastic. Larry, I just want to say thank you for kind of opening up some doors for me. You know, I think part of this is like, wow, I need to think about this a little bit more uh, because we've only just, I mean, I don't even think we scratched the surface. We might have smudged the surface today a little bit with this conversation. But I really appreciate you taking a little bit of time out today and, and giving us a glimpse at this, uh, the, not only just the energy audit, but some of the complexities that are behind it that I never even, you know, the water heater thing. I didn't think about that. You know, I'd, I'd have carbon monoxide all through my house if I, <laughs> if I hadn't heard something like that. So I just really appreciate it. And uh, I hope that uh, people are listening can really take advantage of some of the things that have been offered up here.
2: Appreciate the opportunity, Tim. And if we can help you again with a with a, a session, just give me a call.
1: Sure, no problem. Tim, this was,
0: you know, again eye opening for the fact that uh, you just mentioned the water heater. And <laughs> there's just so many things that we we, you know, we don't think about when we're building. We we yearn for tightness. That's the goal these days. But you know, the things that happened
1: as a uh, ramifications of that are pretty serious. Yeah, you know, I, I really like the uh, bringing the moisture, the water uh, management part, the thermal barrier part, and the air exchange and health part of it. I like bring, I like what I heard in terms of bringing that all together, because honestly, it's been sort of, three distinct things for me, and I think I was in that group where Larry was saying, you know, we got it backwards. We focus on the insulation, and then we think about, like, what's going to happen to the water management, and this keys into a podcast we had a few uh, weeks ago on water management, and this was uh, this was great. I, I think, again, I just encourage people to do some study. I think Larry was encouraging. Go to some conferences Uh, get some uh, training Uh, I think it's pretty obvious that you can make some big mistakes by not being trained properly and uh, it's more than you know just putting a blower door on there and turning it on and blowing a little smoke around you know it's a lot more intense than that and uh, take advantage of some opportunities. Well Tim this was uh, another
0: fantastic episode and I think it always comes down to Uh, we say it all the time, but awareness, and I think just what Larry talked about with the water heater and the dangers, (laughs) because we always are geared up to make these houses tight, but what does that mean? So his awareness, and I think he brought just a a wealth of experience, which is always great.
1: Yeah, you know, sometimes you listen to people that have been doing this for a long time, and the, the numbers and the letters just roll off their tongue, and so maybe we just barely you know, hit this thing, and I just encourage people, number one, there's probably some um, areas where we can make this part of our business. I encourage people to get training, you know, uh, he mentioned several organizations that have uh, seminars and conferences, and go to some of those conferences, learn about all of them. I think he, he, he talked about me dead on, right, you know, do the insulation. You know, make sure that's right. Maybe don't think about, in the same context, the moisture problem. But you've got to think of all of that stuff at the same time and make sure that the house is built with all of those things in mind. Well... I think we touched
0: a few weeks ago uh when we talked to um Bill. Was, yes. What was his last name? Bill, Bill Robinson. Bill Robinson, yes. And and he talked about uh we've always done it that way. Right. And and talking about how, you know, I was always taught that a house has to breathe and vapor barriers tra- trap moisture. And it's just, you know, leave that alone and, and and you know, get get some training and information on building science and Uh, learning what you're building why are you doing what you're doing
1: yeah well the the great thing about it is there's lots more information out there now than for example when i was building houses 30 years ago we were talking about this energy stuff but none of the science was out there that backs up you know the things that are being taught so i i just encourage people uh Take this uh, and, and explore some more possibilities and make sure you're building properly for the comfort of your clients, but also for their health and for the health, if you will, of the building itself.
0: Well, once again, we want to thank Larry Mayer for joining us today. We want to thank you for listening to another
1: episode of The Tim Fowler Show. And remember, at The Tim Fowler Show, we're working hard to eliminate it is what it is from your vocabulary.
0: This has been another episode of the Tim Fowler Show. Want to hire Tim and fast track your growth? Visit remodelersadvantage.com consulting to learn more. And if you'd like more information about Roundtables, our world-class peer advisory program, please send me an email at steve at remodelersadvantage.com. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to the show and comment on iTunes.